This is low by lit, a literary podcast. Lo-Fi Lit is where podcaster Tyler, your host, interviews, questions, interrogates, and declares psychological warfare on independent writers, artists, tap dancers, and people that I've unearthed. Mostly to introduce them to audiences so they can relate and discover more about them. The artists in a one-on-one intimate setting. Mostly just people I find to be interesting. To be quite interesting. Quite. I don't like that. It's too fancy. Today I talked to Irvin Graham. Is it fucking Graham Irvin? I'm going to kill myself. Okay. I swear to God. Graham Irvin. Graham Irvin was born in North Carolina. He received an MFA in 2018. He's written Livermush from Back Patio Press. Also, uh, yes, I mispronounced his name as Grush when Nate came on. I don't know. I, I I wrote in high school, and then I went to undergrad and had like an idea that I would do something other than writing, but then write on the side. And I just I'm uh, wasn't uh, great at whatever that was, and so I started writing when I was like 20 again. And um, since then, it's really been like the only thing I feel um, that I, that I've really like stuck to. Yeah. Maybe when I was like 2021, 20, I started like submitting to places. I started thinking about like, I started reading more and thinking about like the idea of like what a book that I read would maybe mean to what I wrote. Just kind of like seeing things as kind of like, I don't know, trying to fit it together into like some kind of uh, not lifestyle, but just like incorporating it into like whatever I do. You know what I mean? So I, I, when I, what got me into writing or what made me like really interested in, in like the idea of writing was I liked uh, like the beat generation and, and like kind of, I mean, very like very normal, like high school boy stuff, just being like Jack Kerouac and Allen Ginsberg. I liked Hunter S. Thompson. I know he's not like a beat guy, but just, He's a drug guy, and you read that whenever you're that age. But I really like that book, um, Naked Lunch by William Burroughs. And I, it, it's a really strange book, and it also just it felt like unlike anything I could have read before, and it felt like an experience rather than just like reading for a, a test, and it just was fun. And then from from like that point on, I started to like, seek out things for you know uh, looking for a book that maybe like you know had you know a cult following or had any any kind of like uh, interesting history to it and then that's what got me into writing more and that book 
perks of being a wallflower yeah uh, he reads naked lunch and he reads some other stuff in that too but i think that's maybe that's what it was it was like I, I read that book which is also a good book maybe that's one i should include um in books that matter to me but i think maybe that and then maybe from there just like googling those people and like reading their wikipedia articles um maybe i took a a, a high school ap english class and we read some allen ginsburg or something like that maybe you know mm -hmm. um probably also just like seeing uh what's that movie fear and loathing in las vegas and things yeah. like that just like how like just i think that it was just like that culture is not unique that that kind of was a thing you could really like find but you know maybe it just not everybody was like looking for the books that they were based on or like looking for the book version of it you know what i mean it was just yeah. like i just watched the movie and i was like oh, i want to read the book and then i look it up and you know i guess there's something like raw and like original and finding the source material that feels like more pure than watching something that it was like diluted from getting closer to the the primary source is always fun or yeah. or finding the finding the like exact it doesn't have to be a primary source but finding the exact source especially for things that are like super like older things was uh, it something maybe your parents like maybe wouldn't have you watched but you watched it yourself i mean probably yeah probably definitely like uh a, a uh something about like drugs being off limits uh this kind of like craziness this kind of i mean also just the, the i guess personality based stuff like a a guy like a hunter s thompson being like all personality all charisma mm -hmm. kind of like a total you know, character cool character and it just felt like uh grew up in uh yeah i mean the, the, yeah being around like especially at that time just being like feeling unable to express myself what how do you express yourself being from a small town what's the way of breaking out from that and it you know without leaving still being stuck there you know you do it through you know maybe smoking weed and reading a book or something like that imagining you yourself bigger in life you know I, I i've been interested in my like in like small towns like company towns you know mm -hmm. where it's like an industry is built up and then uh the uh the town doesn't exist except for the industry so everybody who lives there needs to have like places to go buy food and places to go worship god and places to like hang out and so the company builds churches and grocery stores and you know like uh, you read uh do you read, like scott mcclanahan yeah for sure i like him a lot he's great talon wrote about new york uh a lot and sam pink wrote about like chicago a lot and it was cool but it also was like not as relatable as like small town growing yeah. up kind of thing like in the country you know in the south uh like scott wrote about and that's you know why i've always been kind of been drawn to him did your writing style change after reading him or did you ever like Im imitate him in your writing yeah i think in in like liver mush there's a couple of things i like like took from him um there's like a, a uh, in in Crapalacha, 
he writes about um like the the uncle's nurse like his uncle who has like uh um ms falls in love with his nurse and then eventually dies and the nurse is like the one the one of the only ones there at the funeral and then he includes like his grandmother's chicken recipe that mm-hmm. they would make every sunday and it would be this thing that they would all sit together and it was like he does that in this one chapter and it's like every time i read that that chapter of that book i, I cry because it's so powerful uh and then he includes the recipe in it you know so like you know he says like you can do this too and you can be there with us and you can and you know my uncle's still alive and my grandmother's still alive and that love that they had is still alive and then at the end of the book he's like i just found that on like online you know <laughs> it's yeah. just like an all recipes thing that i found not you know who cares but it's like so those like tricks that he does i think are super cool in liver mush there's a recipe i think it's a different thing but i like the way that he does the um emotionally pulling you close to him and then being like it's kind of a trick but you still don't feel like you're tricked you know yeah yeah like i think that's so cool i just think like there's like so much heart in it but then it's also has like this kind of like jester trickster vibe to it yeah there was a story in hill william where it's like very it's basically like a kid finding out like santa claus doesn't exist but he uses batman and it's like basically the same formula but like him using it he just like he knows how to write he just makes it seem easy and you still get pulled in and you still have the emotional effect of the story Mm. of this kid realizing like batman's not real it's just it's it was just it's funny and yeah it's, yeah you relate to it and everything i think also um i'm not sh- i feel like a lot of people that i've talked to or at least um men of a certain age who are writers uh will got really into or were told to read like postmodern stuff mm-hmm. probably because like if you went to school your professors were men who that's what they were told to write and mm-hmm. then they come and they teach and they tell you to read Pynchon or Don DeLillo or whoever else, you know. So, like, the postmodern, the big postmodern novel uh, kind of was, like, aspirational to them because that was their peers. Mm-hmm. Or not peers, but, you know, age group peers. Uh, and then they go and they teach, they teach college or they teach whatever. And so they say this is a good book or this is a good thing. Um, but I think, so that's what I read a lot before I started reading internet stuff. Uh, and I think that Scott does this thing where he like moves past the page to the reader. He kind of like speaks directly to the reader. He does like a little bit of interplay with like what you're expecting versus like what he's writing. That feels kind of, it feels postmodern or it feels, you know, similar to like what like Kurt Vonnegut does Well, he'll like play with you a little bit mm-hmm. though i think i feel like he has a lot more heart and it's not as like uh, uh maybe it's not at all paranoid or insincere or ironic he's using it to connect um and he's using it to be more emotional but i think that that makes it even more of like a bigger pull for me it's just like having this you know type of book that i read before that kind of like moved past and then 
finding someone doing these kind of tricks, but in a way that's like, oh, wow, you can do that and not be, uh, you know, like a insincere dickhead. Yeah. Do you think you would be at where you're at right now if you hadn't gone to the MFA program? Um, I don't, I have no idea. I, like I said, I don't think, I mean, I think that the, the people that I know who have helped me with publishing almost all of the stuff that I've published, not everything, but most of the stuff have been like people I've met just through Twitter and didn't know that I was writing, you know, that I had a writing degree or whatever. I think that like, and you know, it's hard to say it is it's like definitely hard to say you know but um you know like knowing knowing zach knowing all those people like i just met them because i was online and i you know got you know read their stuff that way um so yeah i don't know maybe maybe not how do you read zach's work before you met him or cab yeah yeah i think uh Probably I read Cavan stuff first. I think I knew Cavan from yeah, Soft Cartel. Yeah, yeah, that's it. So yeah, I think I had submitted some stuff to him from there in like 2017, maybe, maybe 2018. And um he published a, a poem or a couple poems. And then it, that was maybe around the time he put out like uh neighbors or neighbor, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe through that, like talk to him after I, I published that, like talk to him online. Then I think I, I wrote a review of, I could be your neighbor. Um, and I think through doing that and maybe just doing like neutral spaces stuff, I met Zach, you know, eventually after that. Yeah. Was Zach and, heavily involved in neutral spaces? Uh, I think, I mean, mostly it was like uh, Giacomo's thing, but he and Giacomo were super close. So, like, yeah. you know, I think that maybe Zach helped edit. Um, well, he did that quarantine thing back in, like, 2020 or 2021. Uh, and it, I'm going to have a bad brain, but... um. He wasn't like involved in like the creation of it, but I mean, like for a certain amount of time, there was a lot of people using it, and you know, there was a lot of people uh, posting on it all the time. But it was Giacomo's thing; he, he made it. I went on your Neutral Spaces like account, and it had mm-hmm. like one of your first stories was from like Tenderness Lit, and I tried to find it, but then like it wouldn't pull up. Yeah, <laughs> what did you like get taken down or something? I think that that tenderness lit it was tenderness did tenderness mm, did tenderness lit still exist? Um, it is. I mean, the website's still there, and you can go back and read the old issues. I, yeah, I don't think she's going to be running it uh, anymore. Okay, Zoe, who runs it? A lot of that stuff just like gets either they they only have. Um, yeah, I wonder when it when it came out. I haven't looked at it. Uh, I so you oh, don't have, like, is. You don't have like beef with them or anything. No, no, I found it. Hold on, can I put it oh, in the did? chat? Yeah, cool. You know, like links die, especially with like the internet and stuff. Um, 
you know, like a, especially like places will fold. Uh, I had a story that was like published on um, Philosophical Idiot mm -hmm. at uh, Giordano ran and it just like that website doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, I tried to find that because Zach was talking about it. I'm like, I don't, that site doesn't, there's no site that even exists. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is a bummer because it was like they wrote really good stuff. They put out really good stuff and it was also super exciting to like be included. I think that was one of the first things that I ever uh, published was that that story. Well, it's kind of depressing too because like these magazines that they, they run for years and sort of create little communities out of and then you try to go to them and like they're just completely dead and it feels like nothing from that matters anymore. It's such like an in in your face abrupt like metaphor for death and life, I guess. I don't know. So how do you motivate yourself to write? Are you always like ambitious about wanting to create and write? I I, I try to I, I don't have like a specific like routine, but I do try to write every day or if I have a, a day off. Really just I try to like make like push myself to to be in a headspace to do it so um if i'm if i have the space to do it if i have the time to do it uh like getting up i like you know making coffee reading reading something and then trying to write something down um you write on your phone sometimes yeah i think uh i've been trying i i you it depends you know lately i've been doing like longhand and then using um like we're, uh, Google Docs and doing that. Um, really, anything that works. I think that with you know poems, typically they are shorter, and so I I write those longhand. Um, I think that if I was writing like prose for a long period of time, I would get really tired of of writing, or I would get really tired of like typing on my phone. So I'd probably switch over to. Um, typing or whatever but i don't know i just i like uh, i try to i try to like if my routine is not like writing based it's like getting up and giving myself time you mm -hmm. know so it's like getting up at like 7 30 and even if i don't write at that time just having the time knowing that i have this many hours before i have to go to work or yeah knowing that i have this much um these days off that i can do that with you know but i at the same time i've been like editing a lot of uh a lot for i have a gun lately and so i just haven't really been writing new stuff i've been just editing which i feel it feels different um it's not as creative but it is you know it's still writing do you ever like have like huge moments when you're editing like you take something out and then your entire poem becomes something entirely different you're like whoa big brain <laughs> moment i don't enjoy editing but i enjoy those moments when editing is like i can f like find a new way to like make the thing fun again i mm -hmm. feel like um do you get bored of your own content yeah i was about to say that yeah i get bored of i think that like i get bored of poems and i get bored of my own poems because it's like i know what it's doing mm -hmm. and so i want it like when i re i like either don't want to read it again or it's like i only like it if i satisfy something in myself enough times like in the poem if that makes sense where it's like it has to do enough things or has to yeah. you know turn enough times for me to feel like satisfied do you so send it to, do you send it to zach or cab and like 
ask, is this good or whatever? Um, sometimes, uh, uh, Zach and, uh, Crow, Jonah, Norlander and Troy, James Weaver and I are like in a group chat and we talk, you know, pretty frequently, you know, it's, and, you know, sometimes we talk about writing. It's not like a specifically writing chat. We're just, you know, talk, but, um, yeah, sometimes, you know, but a lot of times, I mean, even, you know, even for a group of writers, sometimes it feels like, you know, I don't know. I, w I would rather like e email it to my girlfriend mm -hmm. <laughs> or do something like that. Cause it's like, I don't know, but yeah, I do. Yeah. I mean, what do you think a, a like a, a book of poetry has to do for it to be a book? Like for you with your writing? I don't like, uh, I don't like collections personally as much as I like a, a thing that is maybe thematically held together or just in terms of like what's he, like, like kept my interest with writing has been things that are like thematically held together. So like with liver mush, that's all about liver mush. The I have a gun book is all kind of like one long poem that like, you know, builds on itself. Oh, it's a long poem. Uh, yeah yeah i mean okay yeah yeah it's like a nine part ten part one long kind of like narrative thing um but that's just for those two i think that like i think that it's feels faster to write that way or feels like more like immediately satisfying in the writing process to do that and also allows me to like rewrite something and then like riff on it in like mm -hmm. a space and like kind of like be more like self-referential or whatever it just kind of feels like i'm talking to myself or or talking about the thing you know something i like to do but i think that um that's what i like at least for these two things but i think that if i was writing another i don't really know i have no idea like uh i don't know what well i think i would like to write a thing that was just individual pieces you know i just don't ever stick with it i i um i get bored so I, <laughs> yeah what do you think of death egg i think it's really good i i like i like nathaniel's writing a lot and i think that um he, he his poems are like are, are 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 fun and like exciting all the way through the where like it's yeah i never feel bored it feels like he he's both like he has this like heartbreaking quality but then also it's like hysterically funny sometimes like if, you know i was listening to your interview and you're talking about like divorce or whatever and mm -hmm. i get i don't know it's very funny as an idea and it like i i you know it's very sad and funny but it is also just like it's funny that that's just like an image it's just like divorce is such a thing or like um I don't know, like an office party or something like that. It's just like, it feels like, I don't know. I really like it. I like it. Do you think any writers of poetry should study like the history of poetry and would that add or would that help them in their writing? Does it help to have a foundation, I guess? I'm making food today. I was like listening to these interviews, you know, just so I knew like your voice and everything. But like, Nate was talking about war and peace, you know, like mm -hmm. I think that like, you really what you learn with reading old stuff like old old books is older things is that like people aren't really different you know they, yeah. they you get the same kind of thing like um 
reading uh, uh, Paradise Lost, he starts with this kind of like intro to it, uh, Milton, you know, before the poem. And he basically says like, look, this is in like blank verse. It doesn't rhyme. Um, you know, I'm not going to rhyme this whole thing uh, because most poems that rhyme suck. And yeah. I'm not going to do it. Like, he's like, why am I going to do that? They suck. Uh, you know, that's a shitty poem. So I'm not going to rhyme it. And that's the thing that was, you know, 1800 something like that you know maybe even mm-hmm. 17 i don't even know when that was written but like it's so funny and it's a thing that you would just be like you would say that now like you know if somebody was saying like do your poems ever rhyme you're like no they don't normally rhyme but didn't it uh, like wouldn't the narrator of that also was like this is my greatest work of all time or something or is that uh, something else it's like yeah the narrator's like or it's about like satan right like and yeah and that kind of stuff it's about yeah. like the garden of eden yeah it's about like the battle between like the angels of heaven and hell and stuff like yeah. that and, um and it's it's cool but uh I, I, yeah 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 i, I yeah I, I don't know i just think it's that's the kind of thing where yeah. it's just like it's such a funny little note to be like uh, yeah that i'm <laughs> i'm not going to do that because trash poets do that mm-hmm. like, cool and like i think you miss out on those kind of things whenever you you say like i'm only going to read things written after 1985 or whatever Mm -hmm. well there's some books that are like classics that pull off some pretty cool shit that's like pretty exciting like i just was reading like uh like don quixote and then i guess it gets like later on in the book it becomes like very meta but when it starts out it's like just some guy who wants to be a knight and he reads a lot of books about knights and then he goes out and like does becomes tries to become one and he goes through all these weird little adventures. Yeah, 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 yeah. I I haven't uh read that, but it's one of those books that comes up as far as like having that like like interplay kind of thing going on. Yeah. It's like a, and it's like funny, it's like an intentionally funny, like yeah. Isn't like the second half of it is supposed to be like a like referencing the first half in like this yeah. weird way. Like, yeah, it's cool. I think that's awesome, but it's also, I think sometimes the hype for a classic will make people like uh, not want to read it. I mean, I think so. Yeah. And I think that, like, because it's always different from what anytime I read a classic, it's, I always have a totally, entirely different experience than everything I've heard about it. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, like, I mean, that, 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 that's uh one of the things that i think is like exciting is like trying to like maybe know a conversation that's about a work but then like separate yourself from it and just have the like take from it you know new stuff or you know mm-hmm. try to like not i don't know i think i don't mean i'm sure guides to reading books maybe help things but like i don't know like just reading a thing and not trying to like go and like match it up match up your feelings about it with some kind of like you know pre-existing academia or something how do you want people to read your work i i don't know i just hope that they enjoy it that they have fun reading it you want to read something from your book upcoming book yeah for sure okay do you um you don't you never you don't have it. <laughs> huh <laughs> i was gonna say like do you have a i don't have your yeah book, you don't have man. it doesn't exist yet yeah <laughs> Do you have uh, copies yeah. of it, like already? No, no, no. copies. Oh. Not yet. No, I was gonna open up the little document right now. Like, Do you send it to like a friend, and they like draw up the cover. 
uh, with DT and I just like did that one day. Um, okay. It's just like a, a photo. <laughs> it's a photo in my basement of my dre- uh, dresser, like bedside table. Uh, nice. and was, like, and then he like did the editing and or, or the, um, the, yeah, the editing stuff on it. Um, Does Cab ever say like, no, this isn't what the cover should be? Uh, whenever I like. Whenever I was doing like liver mush with Cabin, it was definitely like uh, it wasn't like that. I mean, like it was definitely like, "What's your idea?" And also, like I think with that, Tex uh, uh, Gresham, um, uh, he's the one who designed it, and really, it was just him and I talking. You know, it was like uh, uh, you know, I reached out to him and said like. You know, this is what I was thinking, and then he like made it and sent it back, and then oh. from there it was like, you know, so with in that situation, it wasn't even really like a, about uh, it wasn't really like I think there's like some things that they had to add like, you know, uh, the ISBN thing, but it yeah, it wasn't like they had. I mean, I'm sure if there was some something on it that they really didn't like, they would. So Cav is pretty agreeable. He doesn't go on a power trip. He's like, this is my fucking press. You're gonna do what I tell you to do. Yeah, yeah, not for liver mush. Um, okay. Has uh, he ever gotten into a fight with anyone? <laughs> I have no idea. Okay. I, I mean, I would. I, I have no you know, idea. Like him and Troy got into like a fist fight over <laughs> one of their poems. No, maybe. I mean, that would be good. I would. I would watch it. You would. Who do you think would win? Troy's <laughs> mm. a, a tall guy. He's like so six I, seven. Yeah, he's like six three. I, I feel like he would. He's got, he's got reach, you know. But Kevin yeah. also seems uh, scrappy, you know. Kevin seems like he could, he could bounce back. You think he's like a foreign object? <laughs> yeah, he might. Uh, you know, it's like you know, if you get, if it starts feeling like you know too dangerous, like if you're just like, oh, I don't, I don't know if I'm gonna make it. You know, really anything in the world is is uh, lead is pipe. Like, yeah, lead pipe. Yeah. Uh, yeah, stop sign. There you uh, go. Yeah, traffic cone. Um, yeah, I'm going to read a, a shorter one here um, from the book, if you're still cool with that. Yeah. In an ideal world, I wear it on my hip through airport security. Mothers lift their children to better see and say, look what he has, darling. As a plus one at a wedding, I want to show my gratitude, how sweet it is to be in the presence of love, to visit a city get high on legal edibles and sit without cynicism watching strangers cry and drink tell stories of their first encounters childhoods with the bride college roommates with the groom when she said i think he might be the one over brussels sprouts roasted chicken themed cocktails i look through the sea of my new family stand on the table and announce i have a gun to ecstasy that warms every temple turns teeth to honey lozenges, erases not just the memory of war, but the fold in the brain that ever made it an option. The bride's father drops his guard. This is the first time he shed a tear all night. He swaddles me in a mild silk cummerbund and gives a final speech, something to summarize the kind of love we now know, thanks to my concealed surprise. I didn't lose a daughter tonight, her father's voice cracks. I gained two perfect sons. 
I want to read the rest of that. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited for it. I appreciate uh, you let me read some stuff. Oh, no problem. How do you decide that that's at the end and not at the beginning? Uh, I don't know. Just it's a like story. Yeah, yeah, it's like somewhere in the middle of the of the oh. or near the near the near the middle or whatever. But it's not the it's not the last part of the poem. But um, does it build uh, momentum to the end? Yeah, I think so. And I think it, it's also just like uh, the way that uh, the image of like the gun or like what I've talked about of the gun has changed over over the book so that by the time it gets there i can maybe not mention it until that one part where it says mm-hmm. i have a gun i can kind of like it can it can be a uh it can be a a, a romantic or like a a happy thing you know like mm-hmm. just like the idea of being like i don't know saying to a room of people i have a gun and it being like a cause for a celebration rather than yeah. you know, a terrible thing because like up until that point it's like you know, analyzing uh, what that actual reaction would be, why anyone would want to make somebody have that reaction, those kind of things. Mm-hmm. So, like, building that momentum and moving through those kind of ideas so that, yeah. It's like a so the, does the idea of a gun, like, morph throughout the book? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, oh, uh, cool. Yeah, yeah. It's, um, it's like... Uh, a gun, but then also just aggression in general and the idea of uh, just wanting like complete control of a situation, you know, so maybe coming from anxiety or coming from, uh, you know, things like that. But Did you do research where you looked up gun shootings? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I didn't look up like video. I didn't watch videos of gun stuff. I mean, I've seen that stuff. I don't it, but that wasn't that wasn't really part of it. I did like there's a section in the back of the book that is uh every mass shooting that happened in every mass shooting death that took place in the year that the book was written. Oh, um cool. so like that was a research thing where I like went and looked all those up, did the research about that, you know, condensed them based on certain parameters. Um so are you making yeah. a, a statement with the book if that's at the very end of the book? I mean, I think that that's at the, that's at the end of the book, but then it also, it's near the end. What I mean, it's not the last thing that you read after yeah. that. Uh, <laughs> the ending of that piece is what do you do with that? You mm-hmm. know, I wrote some poems. That's what, it, that's the ending of that piece. So it's like, I guess the statement is I thought about guns uh, and it's an image and I tried to not say too like hard one way or other because I thought it was more fun to like mess with the idea than it was to like say guns are good or guns are bad. So maybe there's that statement. You're but just I, messing with the idea of what guns represent. Yeah, I mean, I think that it's it's about. I think it, maybe I should read it first before I start yeah. analyzing it. No, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I so it's like I want to read it now. Have you like uh, you know whenever you um, maybe this is just me, but have you ever been like mad and been like 
I'll fucking kill you. Like, yeah. you know, and it's like hyperbole, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, uh, if somebody is like, it's like that. If somebody's messing with you or something's just like a mild annoyance, just being like, I'm going to kill you with my gun, you know? Yeah. And it's like taking that kind of hyperbole that is really just about like mild annoyance or aggression or anger or whatever. And then trying to analyze that and trying to like see what that means uh, in the moment, but then also like why that is a thing that I specifically have felt, but I think it's a relatable feeling. I don't know what people feel, but I think it is relatable, um, you know, in, in various times of my life and then through research, what other people have, uh, what guns have represented or done, you know, and like, well, maybe why it's a complicated thing, you know, and because it's a metaphor to say, I'm going to fucking kill you when somebody yeah. is like, uh, when your friend, like, you know, like someone's like, Hey, you got something on your shirt and you look down and you, they flick your nose and, like, and you want to kill you, kill you now. Yeah. And yeah. They, that's a metaphor yeah. for, for what you feel, but you're like, you don't want to kill them. You're saying like, it's a, you know, it's a metaphor for my anger. And it's have like, you ever killed anything? <laughs> uh, killed bugs. I've killed. Um, oh, there you go. <laughs> I've like I've never like really hunted, uh, but I have like uh, a shot small animals like one one like a dog. No, like a oh, okay. squirrel and a bird, um, which is not wasn't really hunting because it wasn't like for any kind of game but when i was like a nine or ten year old my friend and i had a gun like a a 22 rifle and we're like walking in the woods and shooting at things and then we saw a a, you know squirrel or it was the same day too it was like the one we shot the squirrel we shot the bird maybe it was the bird first and then the squirrel Mm mm-hmm and they it was both like very traumatic you know really watching yeah because they both died but then it's like they don't things don't like die right away they kind of like especially with like a 22 like yeah it's a small gun so it's Mm -hmm. like small bullet so they both kind of just like flap around on the ground and die and that was really traumatic and i think we just never used the gun again that's probably Uh, a good thing at least like it didn't like turn you on or something for sure yeah it did not turn me on um and like i don't know i mean like I, like i said i i my i grew up with family who did hunt but i was never really into it um did you grow up around a gun culture yeah yeah my like my uh mom's side of the family are like big big into guns like collecting mm-hmm. guns big into like shooting you know do they make bullets bullets yeah do they make bullets oh do they make bullets i don't know if they ever got into making bullets um my uncle's into that that seems i mean it seems cool like it like i does... guess if you're into guns i don't i'm not really <laughs> into guns yeah yeah does he does he make like a specific kind of i have no he... idea i just yeah. i know he does it he like live they live in texas uh-huh. and i just know he makes bullets i don't know anything else yeah it seems like uh it seems like if you, it's 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 making it a little bit more difficult on yourself, you know, like having, especially if you're into hunting, um, there's just like not much competition unless you're going for something really big or unless it's like 
extreme conditions or whatever i've never done it it's probably not fun i think it's unless like i don't know I, you know i'm not if you go and you like shoot a deer and then you clean that deer and eat that deer like that's badass and that takes a lot of skills and everything but if you're like shooting it maybe and like hanging its head up and like throwing out the carcass or whatever and you just like use the biggest gun you have and you shoot it in the torso and you're like i don't give a shit what happens below the neck because all i want is this mm -hmm. That maybe feels like less skill involved, but if you're making the bullets, that's kind of exciting, at least as far as like just like to me, you don't have to make think <laughs> you don't have to think it's exciting, uh, but it's like you know, it's like tactile and it's like creative, and you know, you're like it does matter, you know, you're thinking like maybe you made some and you use a mold, I'm sure you like pour it all. I don't know, it's probably like every bullet you make, every bullet you fire, you're like, I made that, I remember I made that. You don't think uh, you build it from scratch? A gun? Or a gun bullet? Um, I, I don't know. Like using a mold, they just like use their fingers. Oh, yeah. And like then like... Play. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's, I, I mean, again, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know either. I think... Because I was just saying like, oh, you have to do... This. But I think what you probably have is like a, you have a mold and then you pour whatever the thing is into it. You clamp it down and then maybe you like sand off the little edges that would do like that. And then all you need to do is like have your casing, you put your little gunpowder in there and you top it in there. I feel like a mold but, is cheating though. I mean, that's already making it for you. Right. Yeah. I think, yeah. If anything, you should do like use your hands, you, like, stand play. it down. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You should like hold it and like sand mm -hmm. down and make it like a musket, you know? There you go. Um, and then you have to like stuff it in the, in the, yeah. um, in the, in the barrel. I think, yeah. I, I had roommates uh, for a while uh, who were, they, they were hunters and they lived in the country, but when we were living in like the city, they couldn't bring their guns to the city. So they were bow hunters mm -hmm. and they, uh, and that they did that because they're like, it's, you know, you have a rifle, it's easy to shoot something, but like bows is like, you have to hold it. It's hard to like hold it for a long period of time. Like you're not always ready, you know? Mm -hmm. Um and then, like, if you don't, if you miss it, you have to, like, restring and you have to shoot again. Oh, like, yeah. it's not as all. And then also, like, it's about, like, where you hit it. You know, a bullet really does, like, take things out. And there's, like, a lot of trauma with a bullet. Whereas, like, a, an arrow, you know, can really just go go clean or it can hit a part of the animal and just kind of, like, stick, depending on if it's, like, you know, muscle or, like, bone or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, and I always thought that was super impressive. I didn't, I didn't go with them. I ate the food that they caught. You know, whatever have you ever thought about shooting someone and what the a, process of that a, would feel like? Like a person? Yeah. I mean, probably, you know, I think, uh, I, I think more than the process of shooting someone, it would be like the thing. <laughs> it's like the process of like, what do you do after they're, you know, it, do they die? Do you do think they... in the moment you would feel like frenzied and like black out? Because I hear sometimes, like, serial killers, they, like, black out while they're killing someone. And I feel like that's got to be an intense fucking, like, high. That's got to be the highest of highs. Maybe that's why people like killing people. Probably. I mean, yeah. I I'm mean, sure. it's fucked up and, like, not don't go kill people. <laughs> but, like, there's got to be, like, an incredible high to it. I mean, yeah. I think that, like, for a serial killer to kill that often, they mm -hmm. got to really like it. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, I bet it's amazing, man. It's I mean, for a serial killer, like definitely into it you know what i mean like, yeah it's like uh yeah you just like it's you, you see like i don't know yeah you, people who eat very weird food 
you're like you gotta like that because that's gross yeah get up on get up on it yeah yeah so it's like not only is it like i mean i would assume very upsetting to have like blood on you and near you and then also a dead body just even the one that you didn't i wouldn't want to find a dead body you wouldn't um wouldn't be into that i think about that all the time when i'm like in like more like isolated areas like if i'm like going if i'm like hiking or walking in the woods or something i'm like yeah i do not want to find a dead body uh but if you just happened upon a dead body kind of gross upsetting already not not and then you have to like hide it and take it somewhere and then you have to deal with the stress because you caused it to to do all of that multiple times you gotta like killing if you're yeah takes a lot of research yeah but uh no i mean i haven't really thought about it. i don't like i guess if i owned a gun maybe i would think about it more you don't own a gun i don't own a gun oh. wasn't there controversy on twitter over that <laughs> yeah yeah some people got mad at me because i they they said i was uh i think that they I, they thought i was like making fun of guns or something or or i don't know they maybe they thought i was like Maybe I am. Maybe I'm being uh, a dirtbag for how dare um, you for um, insulting guns. Yeah, for like talking about guns without owning a gun. Even though I think that you know the book itself doesn't. I don't claim to own a gun in the book. You know, it's more like I said. It's more about it's the idea. When you uh, were like, you said you were doing research, and you said you were looking at books that played with the idea of what guns could represent. Like, what do you what what specific books? did that um i read a lot of stuff that was like um so i read like uh like the american sniper memoir that chris kyle book you read um, that for this mm-hmm. well, what is that is that good is that funny <laughs> he's like he was like a, a he's wild dude he like he uh i i don't you know it's a it's like definitely like a persona that he puts on when he's mm-hmm. writing the book but he definitely it's i mean like it is also like he was a navy seal and there's a lot of like bravado and and like, yeah and everything that goes into that and it that could be like a character that he's playing up but he talks about like when in the book he's like you know like i i you know 156 confirmed kills i think is what it is mm-hmm uh and he's like and people you know if people ask me would i do it again he's like i would do it again i would Jesus. do it you know like i would go back and i would kill that many more you know uh he's like that's what i was there for it's just like and it is kind of like um you know football player in the locker room about to about to go back on the second half you know like we're down we gotta go back so it has that kind of like hyperbole you know but it is psychotic because he did that shit do you, you think know? he's a serial killer I I don't I mean yeah I don't know I don't I think that uh it could be I mean I mean I guess like how do you not like how does it not affect you Yeah yeah I know what you're yeah I see what you're saying like is is it like I think that you kind of have to have like uh like low low empathy to be able mm-hmm. to do that um it's very personal I think to shoot somebody, especially as a sniper, like typically you're like looking right at them yeah. and you know it. I read another book that was about like the psychology of like killing during wartime that, uh, you know, for research as well. And it like talks about like the, uh, 
the ways that like uh, distance on the on the on the uh, battlefield makes it easier to fire versus not, you know. So it's like if you are in an airplane shooting bombs um, or, you know, in a helicopter, whatever, you know, if you're, if you're, yeah. you're doing something like that, you're very far removed from it. You're not seeing people. You're maybe not even seeing like structures other than like shapes on the thing. Yeah. Maybe you're like 100, 200 feet up in the air above a place and you're not really seeing faces. That's easier to do than like, you know, 10 feet away, somebody's running at you and all you have is a pistol. Yeah. Um, or like, uh, you know, if you're in a tank, it's easy to like shoot a tank because you're shooting at buildings, you're shooting at structures. If you, uh, but yeah, but snipers specifically are seeing the person and typically it's like a one-to-one thing. You know that your one action took that person out. And even if you have like, you know, rifles and you're shooting into like a mass of people coming towards you, you don't know if you took, you don't know who you kill. You just know mm-hmm. that people are dead and you're alive. But you can, in your mind, say, I don't know. I don't know who it was me. I don't know how many I killed. But Chris Kyle knew. You yeah. know, he knew that because those were all assignments and he accomplished them. When he I killed think, someone, was he like, America? Yeah. Like he said that every time he shot someone. I mean, dude, I bet every time he like got ready for it, it was just like, America, rah, rah, rah. I'm doing this because it's for my country because I'm a, this is my, this is my duty. This is like, if it's not, it, I mean, in the, in the book, it was just like, if I don't kill them, they're going to kill me. And that's how I have to do that. And like, I'll kill that person a thousand times over, you know, like, Jesus it's Christ. like, and it's like, it's, it is really weird. Cause it is like, you would, I think that there is a certain type of, um, I think if you talk to most veterans, they are, are pretty like humble, you know, yeah, about the idea of about what it means to be in the war. I'm not like patting anybody on the back or saying that that's like you know that veterans are good or that war is good, but just by virtue of like surviving that and knowing that you're alive and people are dead because of some action that you like moved through, mm-hmm. um, it makes people humble. And yeah. it's so crazy how not humble the book is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so that, I don't know. There's that. I read. I read the other book. It's called On Killing. Um, I've I read a lot of like uh, Kaczynski. He didn't really write about guns, but you know he bombed a bunch of people. And I was like, oh wow, that seems that seems right. So <laughs> I read that. Um, Wait, who was that? Uh, Ted Kaczynski, the Unabomber. Oh, okay. Yeah, right. he didn't. I mean, he wrote some stuff about guns, but mainly he he you know I, I just like he wrote a, a book. Yeah, he wrote he wrote a couple books. Uh, oh, he he wrote like uh, the manifesto, which is like a hundred page, and like it, you know, if you, I don't know, a lot of a lot of mass shooters write manifestos. Usually, they're not well put together. Yeah, did you but, look into anything McVeigh wrote? Uh, I'm reading. I I haven't finished it, but I am reading the um. There's a, a biography about him that came out a couple of years ago called Aberration in the Heartland of the Real. Oh my god. Um by Wendy Painting. It's like mm-hmm. a giant, giant Jeez. book. Um and I, I re- I've been reading that too, uh, as like kind of research or whatever. Um and there's there's like letters that he wrote in it, um, you know, to his his family member and to his friends and stuff. Uh but it's a similar kind of thing, yeah. Like uh um I don't know. 
So just, I don't know. I think that that kind of mentality, like really that inspired me a lot or like wanting to like, try to like understand people like that. Um, what else? Ezra Pound uh, has a collection of poems called the Pisan Cantos. Yeah. That he, he wrote while in a uh, prisoner of war camp. And he wrote so it he on wrote, a toilet paper. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I read that. Cause I was like, it's just, fascist poetry i was like mm -hmm. why not and it's not i mean it's not as good i don't know you know like that's that's the thing that i found out and not I mean, good i don't know why you know what i mean like it's not like yeah. i want i was really searching for something that had um that felt uh that aggressive and that like um that they were like putting that into it, you know what I mean? That they were well, like the aggression was like felt on the page or in the words or sentence structure or something like well, that. Well, just but like no. we were talking at the first of the interview interview about like Hunter S. Thompson and being this character, you were kind of searching maybe people that were like they're taking it in the opposite direction of being a character, like taking it towards killing, yeah, and guns and shit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I, and like, I, it's. I, I think that. I do think that honestly, people who uh, who do those things and and like and have those thoughts um, are typically in <laughs> incapable of expressing them mm -hmm. in any kind of like uh, uh, way that's understood um, on like a uh, they're, they're incapable of the empathy it would take to express that thing like if if i was a fascist who wanted to kill people and and had killed people mm -hmm. and i'm trying to explain that to you there's already like a lack of empathy and yeah. to explain it for you to understand for you to maybe even like grasp some of those feelings there has to be like this empathetic bond between us and i think that maybe by doing by the kind of person who does those things and feels those things is incapable of like using that of like building that bridge yeah you know uh rhetorically um but i don't know it's still interesting to look it up um it, that's the thing about the chris kyle book is like it's interesting mm -hmm. and he had a bunch of editors in it and so it kind of it's a quick read it's i mean it's a bigger book but it's like fast and he kind of does like a he's like you know he has this kind of like like back and forth with the reader where he's like talking to you and he's like yeah it's not what you would think a navy seal would do but that's me i'm a dumbass um so he has kind of like this like very like informal uh voice but i don't it's, not, it's unrelatable and it doesn't and like unless you are super super patriotic and like love the war reading that is is very upsetting it's very mm -hmm. like hard to read that and feel anything but just kind of like shock that yeah. some multiple people read it and said yeah dude for sure let's print that and then into a movie it got made into a movie because so yeah. many people loved it and i think like jesse ventura called them out and they got they got into a lawsuit oh really yeah jesse ventura like called them out for like the things that he said in the book and then they got into a like a real fight at like some bar or something and then they're like one of them sued the other it was like a big ordeal damn yeah i uh i didn't know that i mean he got he got shot he got killed um did he kill himself no he was doing i think he was doing some kind of like veteran therapy thing 
and um oh yeah his he took a him and a friend took a guy to a, a firing range and then that guy shot them both and it oh, killed yeah. chris kyle i think it killed the other guy but um but yeah he got killed and it was like it was like po- he'd been he'd written this already I think that the movie was on its may not come out like, yet. Yeah, I remember the movie like didn't even address it. It was just like they they put up like something on the screen and like it went to black, and like they didn't even like go into into like the, the that, that part, part of, of his life. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, and that is like super interesting. Like, I think that that's maybe the more interesting part about. It's the most interesting part. I, yeah, I like I like I want to read the the biography of Chris Kyle with that being the end because yeah. like this book is written when he's a hero american mm-hmm. sniper is written when he's a hero american sniper the movie is made more or less like this but then there's like a little quick caveat that they don't really show you yeah uh, i want to yeah i want to like go into that like what's that about what was because that's a mistake and that also kind of like feeds into like the gun the dark thing. the gun thing and the dark yeah. parts of like him you know like yeah. there's they don't go into that he's like they, you know like there's they not a they don't want to address the truth of what was going yeah. on. Yeah, 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 and it's more interesting. I mean, it's not like, like you know, like I don't know. I mean, those kind of you know, I don't know. I I don't re- I I'm interested in these kind of people, and I feel like I don't I don't relate to them. I I find it hard to relate to people who are like that, but mm-hmm. uh, but I'm interested in them, and I think that like yeah, I would be I would be way more into that book or that movie than the uh, the one where it's just like let's go kill. Have you thought about writing like a parody of a Chris Kyle sort of biography? Write it in character. You know, like Derek Maine, like he does that with his like wartime character. Oh, yeah. He writes it in character. I don't know. I think, I mean, I think that that would be cool though. Like writing a parody of something, maybe not. It might make you go crazy if you like started believing you were that character. Yeah, probably. I could see that. I could see him getting too too into character. But yeah, I don't know. Uh, Have you read. have you read poetry from serial killers? Let's see. Uh, Dennis, uh, is it what was the B- BTK guy? What was that guy's name? Yeah, BTK. Um, Dennis something. Yeah, it doesn't matter. He wrote these like really shitty poets poems that he would like send. It was like nursery rhymes that he'd send to people. Oh, that's creepy uh, as fuck, dude. Nursery yeah. rhymes. Oh my god. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it was like creepy. really, really bad writing. Uh, a... I'm going to tie you up into a little bun. Yeah, exactly. No, yeah. He would like write that stuff and like send it oh, to um, God. the newspapers in uh, in in Wichita. Uh, there's another. That's gross. Yeah, there's another it makes guy. me hate him even more. And yeah, and it's like really bad, too. And I don't think he I mean, it was like, I think it like if it was good, it would be something else. If, like if it was like art. Yeah, if it was, like, if wow. it was art, any kind of quality art. Yeah. Yeah. Um it's one of the it's like one of those things where you can kind of you can like hear that he's trying to be creepy. And so mm-hmm. it's like this disconnect of like he's trying to be creepy, but it's just an adult man doing nursery rhymes, but then he also is a killer. And so yeah. it's just like there's like multiple layers of just like, I don't even want to like deal with it. Yeah. just like trying and it's just and, and then like trying to approach it in any level of like craft or what that means or like like i was saying trying to like figure out where the emotion or like how that connects to what he did it's just a completely different thing he just had like a a fucked up brain and <laughs> had to kill people because you know 
Do you think he like he sent out his first draft? Like he didn't even edit. Oh, I could see this dude like really going over, you know, like really like, or at least if he didn't write them down, he was like thinking about it. Like he was like really saying it under his breath for like, like days until he sent it out. Um, There's a, I I don't, I don't, there's another serial killer who like wrote short stories. uh, And I don't. Were they really good or bad? They were uh, better than the poems, but I, I still like I, I still like think that they're not, um, uh, good. <laughs> it, it's like uh, I, I think that people aren't like able to do that. Like it's just like you're either you're either like a person who has like the ability to like tap into uh, emotions of all facets or you are a person who hurts and kills people and what if you uh, found out one of your favorite writers was like a serial killer would that like affect the way that you read their work i think so yeah i think that would be like that would be upsetting i'd be really upsetting i think it's the same not exactly the same thing but it's similar to like like if scott mcclanahan ended up being a serial killer would that fuck with you i think so i would be kind of cool because he's so good at writing. Yeah. It would really change. Unless I knew the people things. who died, then I wouldn't think it was that cool. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's that I far wonder, away thing, you know? Yeah. 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 It is. I wonder if it would make you like, if that happened, if it would make people go back and like try to, I mean, it would, people would go oh, back totally, and try to like yeah. pick it apart. But then there's a lot of times where you see somebody, maybe not with like killing, but with, um, Suicide, like David Foster Wallace, you go back and you read his shit and like yeah, look yeah, for yeah. Shit. Or with like uh like people who get like canceled for like assaults or like sexual harassments or rapes or whatever, like those kind of people, they get like um, you know, you go back, people will go back and read them and say like, well, this is like showing that they thought that way, or this is like creepy when you think of it in this like going in like with Bill Cosby, mm-hmm. he like has stand up you know back in from like the 70s about like giving girls oh, a spanish yeah. fly or whatever and like everyone's like that was so funny that he said that because he was this like real clean comedian but then when you like in context it's like yeah. it's thing that he really like got you know went to jail briefly for and then got acquitted for doing it um but yeah i mean i i wonder like how that would I just, you know what I think it is? And this is is the thing that I think is really boring. And I think it's really boring about like the obsession with like serial killers and stuff like that is that there is always, there's this, this, you want to know so much about them because you want to understand like how a person could do something so inhumane and terrible. Yeah. And so you want to approach them like you would any other person, like you would any other, you want to like analyze their thoughts and actions and output like you would any other person's thoughts or actions and output. And I don't think like that they're capable of externalizing any of that in any kind of valuable way. I think that it is like, it's something that is felt and you can't put it out. Like you can't, you can only feel it and, and act upon it, act upon it. You can't, you can't do anything with it because if you could turn it into art, you wouldn't kill somebody. Uh-huh. 
<laughs> if you like if you had this feeling and you could perfectly express it through uh writing or painting or you know photography or movies you wouldn't need to do the the other thing you would just mm -hmm. be like oh shit i'm six i'm that's good that that's you know mm -hmm. um have you ever read uh dennis cooper i've read some of a part of his book and it was so out there that i stopped reading it yeah 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 he he that seems to be his like mo is that he has this like obsession with death and killing and all that kind of stuff but then instead of doing it he just writes about it mm -hmm. and, oh really i don't need to read his stuff again um and it's really good i think he's like like reading his his stuff he's like a very it's very emotional and it's very like you know he he knows people and he understands like you know like what like, book would you recommend um try is a really good one try is that about um, a killer yeah there is a killer in that one there is a serial cool. killer in that one um what else uh yeah i just read it man uh oh frisk frisk, frisk. yeah both of those are really are really good um is yeah. there a straightforward narrative in any of those it, he's like a super like uh voice he like writes the way he talks you know it's very like straightforward that it's um frisk it kind of jumps around mm -hmm. um uh with things but it's super easy to follow it's also both of them i think i think try is like 200 pages okay. frisk is like 140 it's they're both really short and super easy to read uh it's another reason why i like him they're like fast books um try is like a i think about that book is like it's just about these like uh, this friendship while this one like the main character is just going through like the most traumatic shit ever mm -hmm. but he has this really close friend and it's just like about his love for his friend wow. um, and frisk is i don't know frisk is kind of doing the scott mcclanahan like is it real is it not real is it you know mm -hmm. am i am i messing with you am i not messing with you so you like that he does that pretty well have you ever met scott no no i haven't have you talked to him ever reached out email yeah i emailed him uh i think about a bl a blurb for for uh liver mush and uh he wasn't doing blurbs at that time and he'd kind of just been like working on his big book for a while uh but that's about it i think maybe other than that i've like sent him things that i've written on like instagram and just been like hey man i thought you might like this and it, you know not a long back and forth but just like Cool. So he knows who you are, though. I guess so. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Is he working on something right now? I think so. I think he's been working on a book for. It's been uh, like. A while. Yeah, his last book came out in like 2015. Yeah, yeah, for real, the Sarah book. A uh, long time ago. Yeah, I don't. I mean, um, I don't know anything about it. I know that, but I think that he has been working on something for a while. Okay. When does? I guess we'll wrap up here. It's been almost two hours. Thanks for coming on, by the way. It was a cool yeah, conversation. Man. I'm glad you could, uh, you know, we, we, I'm glad we could do this as, as soon as we did. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, do you want to promote when your book comes out? Yeah. Uh, I have a gun comes out, uh, March 5th, 2024 on rejection letters. Uh, wait, it's not back patio. 
It's not back patio. What? It's rejection letters. Yeah. Why? What happened? <laughs> Did you guys get into a fight? No, that... no, no. Just uh, I just uh, try. I don't know. Just send it somewhere else. Did they know? request it? Do they? Are they, they pissed? Uh, I think both of them have read it, but I think you know it's just Zach and Kevin, and they all like work on, you know, it takes you know they have they've been working on Death Egg, and I probably well, you're just a got back patio person. I'm a big big fan of back patio. I love back patio, but I was just you know, just, you want to uh, be somewhere else, stretching. Yeah, I don't know. I'm still I'm still I'm still back patio baby. Are they all sad? Good. No, I don't think so. I think that it's it's um they're disappointed. I doubt. I doubt they're disappointed. I think that it's, uh, it's, there's just like, uh, you know, it's only two people. And I think mm-hmm. that like, maybe, you know, rejection letters has a little bit more of like, uh, I don't know. They have time too. They're only like putting out like one book a year. Whereas like, uh, I don't, you know, back patio hasn't put out any, you know, since mine, which was like a year and a half ago, they haven't put out much, you know, and mm-hmm. I just, you know, because you know it takes a lot it takes a lot to do is rejection letters do they have a bigger fan base than back patio they just started putting out books so uh this would be their second book mm-hmm. um uh so they're like pretty fresh and i like that as well i think that that's part of it it's just like they don't really have like a an established like voice or or style or whatever um mm-hmm. so you know how many places did you send it out to I just sent it out to, just to them and wow, yeah. I sent it to uh, Apocalypse Party, like Ben at Apocalypse Party, but um, he also he's just doing like uh, prose and stuff. So he was like, uh, "Yeah, I'll read it. I like your stuff, but you know, who knows?" Really, they it. never like. Do you ever send it somewhere and they go, "We're not doing that," but then they they'll get back to you and be like, "Now we're gonna do this stuff because that was so fucking good." With this, I don't know. No, I I haven't no. really sent it to many people. I, I like I worked on it for a really long time, yeah. and um, and then I just got kind of like tired of sitting on it. And also, I just feel like uh, I don't know who wants it or like what people want it. It already has a kind of vibe to it that I think a lot of people don't want to touch. You Why? Know? Like, what do you mean? Because it's the so gun, masculine. The gun thing, yeah. Maybe the I don't think it's yeah. I mean, it is about. I don't know. It may be that, but uh. But um, I don't know. Yeah, I, do, I I just think that there's like definitely it doesn't. The title alone maybe just would make people like balk at it, and maybe just from my own anxiety, being like, I don't know who to send it out to and who to like, who it is. And I was like just talking to DT at you know mm-hmm. at rejection letters, and he was like, if you got something, you know, if you've been working on anything, and I'd just been sending it out to like friends and stuff, like like Zach or Cav. Yeah, yeah, they read it. And like just like sending it to people because it's like not for any kind of like reason to be published, but just like I've had this in my uh, you know I've been working on this forever and I don't really know what to do with it. So here, check it out. Under what circumstances was there ever a point that you wanted to be published by Back Audio again? Like if they had been publishing books like that, like you're like, yeah. oh, here, let's go. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I you know, I, I, I like them and I like what they do, and yeah. uh, I, I don't, you know. I think okay. that they there's yeah, no beef. I, there's no beef at all. Yeah, all right. No beef, yeah. Are you gonna ever publish with them again? Or is it like you wanna ascend and go to different places to get like different audiences and communities? 
Um, I mean, I would publish with them again. I like their audience than mm -hmm. people who read them. I like I like their attitude about publishing. You know, I think that they um, they care about like quality writing, but then they also don't take themselves too serious. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is it's so hard to find like that type of balance. And it really does feel like it matches up with like how I feel about writing. But it is like hard to find people who don't take themselves too seriously, yeah. and then also but still do like try to make something that's quality, you know, to their own standards. And then I'll let you go after asking you about, uh, Nate said he wanted to find like an agent and go through those processes. What do you, what is your opinion on that? Like trying to find an agent out of writing? Well, I don't, yeah. I mean, I don't, they don't really have those as far as like, uh, poetry stuff goes. I don't, they don't any, I, maybe like for big, big poetry people like, if you are like Tommy Pico, maybe. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, or like uh, Terrence Hayes or like Ross Gay or something like that. These kind of like bigger and Carson, I'm sure has a, an agent or whatever. But if you're like that level, you might have one, but I don't even know how that works. And I don't even know if that's about, there's like five or six publishing companies that do poetry of that level. And I would just think you just know, I don't know. I don't know. But I, if I had a, if I had a novel manuscript, if I had a short story manuscript, I would probably send it out to somebody. I, um, I, I don't, I, you know, I think that like, uh, I was thinking about that too, whenever you're asking him that, like, I haven't, you know, thought about that, but I think if I started writing like prose and had a thing that I was satisfied with, I, I would think why not, you know? Mm -hmm. um is it just because other writers do that that you think oh i should do that too i mean i think uh i think that there is maybe some type of i don't know if this is a shitty way of putting it is there some type of like it, it could be nice to to consolidate my like working life with my writing life mm -hmm. i'm not saying that that's the dream or the be all end all thing but if something worked towards that where maybe there was some kind of advance where maybe it was like a book that got a little bit more you know press or on a, like a little bit bigger of a you know company or whatever it could lead to you know something else like that where it would just be like maybe whatever i don't think that that means the book would be better yeah, uh, I don't think that that means the writing would be better or that like the readers would be better. But I think that I think that there is also just like there is a certain level of like there is an audience that you can't reach sometimes with just indie stuff. Maybe you do with, with time and with the right kind of stuff. But, uh, you know, I don't know. I think it is. I don't. I think that like there's also situations where you could like get a get a an agent and still publish on like an indie press or whatever or still publish on like pretty small stuff and then they just kind of like help you you know because yeah. i think a lot of times they are like they're editors you know they know yeah. books and they think they you know they're doing all that kind of stuff i think there's equal amount of like equal possibilities that you disagree with them than, than you agree with them um i don't know i think people want to be wanted you know. Who's your dream press? And then I'll let you go. You know, I said that like five <laughs> questions ago. 
My dream press? I have. I don't know. I have no idea. I mean, Simon and Schuster. I don't even. I can't. I mean, I. I think that it's like if I imagine what I imagine is like books that I would like to. I don't have like a list of books that I would kind of I'd write. I just don't think that anything I've written now makes sense for like a press like that. Like maybe talked about Wave or whatever. Like if Wave was interested in me, that would be super exciting because I think they put together super cool books. And I think they also put together like experimental poetry that doesn't necessarily like look like a lot of other stuff. Like a Wave book looks like a Wave book. Have you sent um, anything to Wave? No, no, I'm not. I don't yet. even. I don't even know how they work with that. I just don't even really pay attention to it. But you know, maybe. What's your um, favorite wave book? Mm, I don't know. I like C. A. Conrad. Uh, okay. He has a couple stuff out with there. Um, uh, what's that book? Letters to Wendy's is really good. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, I, they have a lot of good stuff. Uh, All right. Uh, but yeah, who knows? That's my, that's my could, dream press right now, I think. I could talk to you for like so many more hours, but I think it's probably time to let you go because it's been two hours. Sure, sure. I've got to piss and I've been sweaty because I had to turn the AC off. So I'll, I'll, Wait, I'll, you've been sitting there without the AC? That's insane. It's loud. I mean, like I'm in this room and I think it's like the only room that we, I can really like, uh, you know, sit and talk. But um yeah, the AC. I mean, it's not too bad. Okay, I'm a sweaty guy, but yeah, you know. me too. Once you start sweating, man, it doesn't stop. It just keeps coming and coming and coming. Yeah, dude, it's just like <laughs> wet dog time. As soon yeah. as I start going, yeah. Um, but yeah, thank you for talking to me, man. And uh, no I hope problem, you have a good, a good night. You too, man. Thanks for coming on. All right, see ya. See ya. And that was Irvin Graham. No, Graham Irvin. Very cool writer who came on to talk to me. And I will see you guys later. Goodbye.